most intense, thrilling, electrifying sport on the planet. Mixed Martial Arts. You've been looking for the definitive podcast to call your new home to hear everything about it. The search is over. This is the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. Bringing you the hottest MMA breakdowns straight from the heart of the octagon. This show is all about MMA breakdowns for fans by fans. We're talking UFC, MMA, and the occasional big boxing match. We'll bring our unique take on how these fights are going to play out and who we think are the best bets. Welcome to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. And now your hosts, Olin. A.K.A. MMA Anomaly and Emiliano, A.K.A. Jive Turkey Nano. What is up, fight fans? Welcome back to another episode of the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. I'm your host, Olin, A.K.A. MMA Anomaly, and with me, as usual, is the co-host with the most, Jive Turkey Nano. How we doing, Nano? Hola, my brother. Doing great on this uh, Wednesday. It's been a long day, but you know what? I'm ready to dive into it, man, because we got a long list of great fights to break down, brother. It has 110% been a fucking long day and and even longer week. And uh, man, Jive Turkey, just happy to have you on this week. I know we're getting very close to November, which means you're going to be in very high demand uh, being a turkey. You know what I'm saying? Uh, probably running around. You won't probably won't see me for a while. <laughs> bad jokes you can expect here almost at all times, folks. So, uh, as Super Silly Shy Guy said, it is Wednesday, my dudes. Welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you in the chat, Super Silly Shy Guy. Love to see it. So, in today's episode, we are going to be going over UFC 294, a.k.a. Islam Makachev. Versus Alexander Volkanovsky. Folks, we have a fucking banger of a card here. And you know, as such, we've got thoughts. We've got opinions. Uh, we might even have a little bit of bets at the end here. We'll see. So, we are going to go ahead and jump into this fight card um, from the very, very bottom of the early prelims. I think we might go through the entirety of the card here. Let's see how it turns out. Um, I'm going to go ahead and let Nano take the lead here. Jive Turkey. How do you feel about the opening fight in Shara Magomedov uh, coming in against Bruno Silva? This guy's making his debut against Bruno Silva. And to me, that feels a bit wild. But how does it feel to you? Hey, man, don't let don't don't let it be too shocking. OK, I know we may not heard of a Shara Magomedov here, but you may have heard of that last name. Magomedov. Let that let that already be siren. Number one, let that be the first uh, flag of caution here. Uh, but again, you know, Bruno Silva, a name we've seen and heard of here uh, in more recent times. But if we're breaking it down, brother, he has been a bit more up and down, especially as of recent one in three in his last four fights with losses to those of uh, Gerald Meadchart, GM3, uh, Alex Bejeda, which fair enough. Uh, yeah, that's OK. Uh, Brendan Allen as well on that list. So, again, some dogs. But Bruno Silva are clearly just not able to crack uh you know, through that that threshold of fighters. You know, I would say he's definitely a good fighter, but not great. <clears throat> and now the thing here with Shara Magomedov, again, don't let the picture on ESPN Fight Center throw you off, okay? 
Uh, I say that because there is no picture of Sharabagomedov. You would not know who he is. You would not see any stats here. But again, don't let it fool you because as soon as you pull him up on Instagram or the YouTubes, what you will see is a scary human being. You will find a scary Dagestanian monster that uh, is undefeated, might I add. Uh, but he's different. He is, he's different than all the other Magomedovs and all these other Dagestani fighters that have came out here um, as of recent or just historically speaking. I say that because when you think of uh, Dagestani Russian fighters, you're thinking of a dominant wrestler. But that is not Shara. OK, that is not who Shara is. He is a dominant striker. The dude can kick your head off. He's spinning back fists. He's throwing knees. He's got everything in his arsenal, man. The dude is an absolute savage. Again, he's like he's the boogeyman. We just don't know about him yet. And again, it's crazy to say he only has one eyeball and he's doing all this magnificent striking and knocking people out. Because again, 11 wins, 10 knockouts. Every time the dude steps in there, these guys are uh, not seeing the finish. And so with that in mind, I, I unfortunately think Bruno Silva is going to face a similar fate. I think he's going to keep that streak going. Uh, might have to make a little side parlay here and, and take a Shara Magomedov as a, uh, by knockout, perhaps. That's how confident I am on this guy. He's a stud, man. Turn on the tape. Just... And you'll see. You're going to learn. But I'm excited to uh, appreciate you letting me start this one off because this is a fun one, man. You know, this is a fun start to the card. And I do have to add as well, this is going to be an earlier uh, outing for these gentlemen. I believe the entire card because they are in Abu Dhabi here for UFC pay-per-view. Tune out to folk. That's right. That's right. That's right. I don't know what the time exactly that'll start for us here, brother, but we'll be able, we will to clarify that. But before we do that, I got to hear your breakdown, man. What are your thoughts? So the official start time of the early prelims for UFC 294 is going to be 7 o'clock a.m. Pacific Standard Time, which, of course, is 10 a.m. Eastern Time. Um, if you want to only tune into the regular prelims, you can go ahead and wake up a little bit later and tune in at 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, um, which, of course, is 12 noon Eastern Time. And if you only want to watch the main card, you fucking casual, then you can wake up at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time and, of course, tune in at, what is that, 12, 1, 2, 2 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time, folks. So, again... Make sure you wake up at 7 a.m. If you want to catch all the good glory of these fights, uh, there are some hella good fights here, folks. Shara Magomedov is an absolute stud of a human being. Um, I have seen some, uh, you know, kind of questionable things about the young man outside of the octagon leading up to this. But that being said, you know what I'm saying? I, I see you over there, Nano. Um, what? Uh, so... Stay alert, folks. The man is kind of a menace inside and outside of the octagon. And that's okay. We're here for it. We're here to watch him fight a young man named Bruno Silva. Shara is 11 and 0. Uh, we recently saw him. If you're if you're on Twitter or X, as the kids are calling it these days, uh, you probably saw him lose a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu tournament and then throw an absolute hissy fit. And it's not a good look. Um, there's also accusations of him attacking a young man at a mall but we're here to break down mixed martial arts not the politics of things so that being said shara magomedov or by his actual name 
Sharabutin Magomedov, uh, a.k.a. Sharabullet, a.k.a. The Pirate, as some call him. Um, I don't know if that's a name that he appreciates, but I've seen multiple MMA outlets calling him The Pirate this week, and I gotta think it's because of two things. One, the success of One Piece live action on Netflix, and two, the fact that the young man has one eye, which, you know, pirate vibes. Uh, So... That being said, he's coming in against Bruno Silva, who is an absolute stud in the game of mixed martial arts. Blindado, Bruno Silva, fighting out of Paraibra, Brazil. Most recent loss, coming by way of Brendan Allen. Brendan Allen, big underdog coming into that fight. Do you know who called that fight? This guy! Ooh! Let's go, baby! Uh, So... Had to flex the unproportionate arms here for those of you watching the video stream. <laughs> um, so, that being said, uh, Bruno Silva is an absolute stud to most people, right? Uh, Jared Marichart, Alex Pereira. I mean, Alex Pereira is a fucking anomaly. That one doesn't even count. So, let's just say Gerald Marichart and Brendan Allen were the only two people to really beat him in the last, let's call it seven, eight years. Eight years, realistically. Um... So that being said, he's a pretty tough guy to put away. But Shara is an absolute beast. He's coming in at 11-0. And by the way, out of his 11 wins, 10 of them are finishes. And 10 of them are KO slash TKO. Most people out of the area where he is coming from, you know, Russia, Moscow, Dagestan, etc., what have you, they are wrestlers. They are Sambo folk. Um, they are crazy mountain men who have crazy mountain man strength and will lift you and slam you and just ragdoll you all the fuck across town. But this young man, Shara Bullet, aka the pirate, aka Shara Butin Magomedov, fighting out of Moscow, Russia, he's got 10 knockouts. Okay, and the man's an absolute beast. Now, he's fighting the guys out of the King FC and CWM MMA and AMC and RCC, right? Like Russian Cage Fighting Championship. So we don't really know how good he is until he fights a UFC caliber opponent. I'm here for it. I think this is a great fight. I think this is one that most people should be watching. And realistically, it's a fight that... Bruno Silva needs to win. He needs to win this fight or he possibly faces getting cut by the UFC. I don't know how many fights he has on his actual contract left, but if he loses this fight, it wouldn't be a great look for him. And uh, again, he needs a win here. I suspect he's going to come out like a man on fire and he's probably going to get put away in the first round by Shara. Jeez. Wouldn't be surprised either. It'd be, it'd be it's a tough outing. I mean, I don't know if they're just feeding him to the wolves on this one here, but um, hey, man, anyone has a puncher's chance. Like you said, we haven't seen Shara square off against UFC caliber talent, and you never know. You know, it's, it's going to take 15 minutes here, or at a minimum, uh, Bruno's going to have to avoid the Shara bombs that are coming his way. So excited for it! Wake up at 7 a.m., get your coffee, get your bagels, get your donuts, whatever you need. Get up early and Adam. <laughs> or if you're Logan Paul, get your prime hydration. Uh, <laughs> so moving into the next fight, uh, obviously it sounds like we're both sitting on the Shara train here. Victoria Dudakova coming in against Jin Frey. Jin Frey is somebody that, I'll, I'll be completely honest, 
she's somebody that I wanted to get behind. I wanted to see her do well. I wanted to see her get these wins in the UFC. But once she made it to the big show, once she made it to the UFC, it just seemed like it was all but impossible for her to get these wins. Um, granted, she has gotten two wins in the UFC, and that's fantastic, right? But she's had seven UFC fights. She's lost to Kay Hansen. She's lost to Conclac Sufisera. She's lost to Vanessa Demopoulos. She's lost to Pollyanna Viana. She's lost to Elise Reed. She has beaten Gloriana DePaula, or sorry, Gloria DePaula, and she's beaten Ashley Yoder, which Ashley Yoder struggles, right? So, with that being said, I think Jenny Frey goes out here and she probably loses this fight. Victoria Dudakova is somebody that is extremely young in her mixed martial arts career and extremely fresh in her mixed martial arts career zero losses folks she's fighting out of volgograd russia with seven wins two ko's four submissions one decision fighting out of alex fitness <laughs> fighting out of alex fitness okay not even like a proper mma gym but here she is and Mad Max in the chat. Kay Hansen. I'm a fan of her work. So are we, bud. <laughs> so are we. Um, fun fact. One of our buddies actually trains with her. Ian Miller. You should check him out. He's on the uh, regional scene, and he actually has a fight coming up at the end of this year. So, uh, yeah, definitely make sure you check that out. I'll send you the link to it, Mad Max. That being said, before we continue with this fight, make sure you support your local fighters they are the future lifeblood of the mixed martial arts scene guys so make sure you support them make sure you're going out to watch them um i for one love going to regional fights i think it's fantastic and uh they're way fucking cheaper than ufc fights and they're super action-packed guys so Jen Frey, uh, she's 11 and 9, 1 KO slash TKO, 2 submissions, 8 decisions, 3 losses by KO, 1 loss by submission, and 5 losses by decision. So she's on a 3 fight skid, most recently to Pollyanna Viana and Elise Reed, 1 by way of KO, 1 by way of decision, uh, happening pretty far spread apart, 1 in November 2022, 1 in June of 2023, and Victoria Dudakova, meanwhile, absolute beast, guys. She came on to Dana White's Contender Series back in August 30th of 2022, fought Maria Silva, got the unanimous decision out there, looked absolutely stunning, in my opinion. And then she came out in the UFC, made her debut against Estela Nunez. Uh, you might you might remember this this kind of watered-down card, but I know we tuned in here on the MMA Anomaly Show, No Filter. UFC on ESPN 49, Holly Holmes versus Maira Bueno Silva, which fun fact, that win from Maira Bueno Silva just got overturned recently by the commission. Uh, but she got popped. I digress. She got popped. She got popped. Um, so I digress. Victoria Dudakova made her UFC debut on that very card. And what happened? She got a TKO via arm injury within 34 seconds over Estela Nunez. So the girl packs a walloping shot to me, and I think Jenny Frey is going to be on the receiving end of probably a TKO loss. Nano, take it away, my guy. Your mic is hot. Let's go. The mic is hot, baby, and I'm going to keep it going. Appreciate the layup there. Uh, and you're absolutely right. I- I'm definitely leaning Victoria Dudakova here. Uh, I think this will be a bit of a one-sided bout. 
Victoria is undefeated, 7-0 with six finishes. Homegirl has four submission wins, two KOs under her belt, or TKOs, one of them obviously by a arm injury like you just mentioned. Uh, but at 24 years young, all she has all the skills and all of the upside. And uh, really, the you know the sky is the ceiling for her. Sky is the limit. Has no ceiling, I should say. Um, as my guy Little Wayne once said, no ceilings, baby. Um yeah, I think her opponent, Jin Yu Frey, 38 years old, really just has no business fighting a girl this young. I mean, we're talking about a 14-year age gap, almost old enough to be her mother. Just it's unacceptable, man. I don't know what the UFC's doing. Um, I like my young fighters. You know how I feel about this. When the discrepancy is, I think it's over seven years, it's something like 64%. They always flash that stat whenever the fights are going on. Keep an eye for it uh, to flash this weekend. But um, I'm, I'm taking the younger uh up-and-coming star here in Victoria Dudikova. Probably by a finish. How do you think she gets it done? Do you think that she actually gets it done via uh, choke, or do you think that she gets it done via um, some kind of like nasty knockout? And a caveat to that, do you think she gets it done early or late in the fight? I think it's going to take her a little while. I, I think with... Uh, it is on her. She does. She, so Victoria does have somewhat of the home field advantage. Let's call it on her side of the world. Jin Frey is going into her backyard. And so I think she's already going to have that advantage going for her. She is going to be younger. She's going to have more energy. And you, you tend to see in a lot of these female fights. Um, a lot of times they'll both come out guns blazing. Uh, maybe it's adrenaline. Maybe they just are willing to throw caution to the wind. But then they tend to settle in after, you know, midway to that first round. Somewhere in the second round, you start to really solidify who's leading the dance. Uh, even though Jin Yu Frey is the more active fighter, um, Victoria is much more accurate. So you will see more countering from her. You will see potentially some takedowns mixed in as well. Um, so again, I think just that combination and, and eventually Victoria finding a way. Now that I'm saying that, honestly, I think she'll find a way to either hurt her on the feet, get her to the ground, and I think she'll find a submission here. Make it five in the second. Man. Uh, yeah, dude. Uh, I, I think she probably gets it done in the second as well. I think I think Victoria Dudakova gets it done. Um, moving into the next fight, guys. Nathaniel Wood. I will say this every fucking time this guy fights. Every time we do an episode and this guy is fighting, I will mention that it's a missed opportunity. His nickname should be carved of. Okay, Nathaniel carved of wood. I just feel like that's savage as fuck. It's got a ring. It's got a ring. Come on, dude. It just gets me fucking fired up. Um, I'm going to tweet that guy today. I'm going to tell him, like, come on. Can we can we change the nickname, Nathaniel? I'm giving it to you right now. We're going to I'm going to I'm going to message all of his training partners and tell him to start calling him carved of carved of wood. So anyways, this guy carved of wood. He's coming in against a man named Muhammad Naimov. Guy's an absolute beast. Um, coming in at nine and two, but he's fighting a very veteran-like, very game Nathaniel Wood, who's sitting at twenty and five. Uh, one inch reach difference here, uh, three inch height difference. Otherwise, as Mike Goldberg says, everything else is virtually identical. No, no, I'm gonna let you go ahead and take the lead on this one. Tell us what your thoughts are on this fight, my guy. I appreciate you, brother. I appreciate you. This is a this is a fun one, man. Nathaniel Wood, our boy here. Uh, not only do you want to advocate, and though you should probably be his PR and marketing team because we have the name locked in already. 
Um, so definitely a fan of him there. But Muhammad Namov, man, another fighter that looked extremely uh, savage in his last fight. That's the word of the day here. Just looked like an absolute savage out there. Knocked out Jamie Malarkey. Made no malarkey of him. Uh, Nathan- Nathaniel Wood uh, getting a most recent win over Andre Touchy Feely. Another great nickname. Um, so both of these fighters are coming in with a lot of momentum. Oh, and I, I am excited to see that. I mean, Nathaniel, three-fight win streak. Muhammad, a four-fight win streak. Uh, both of them have a good uh, variety of kickboxing skills, and they have ability to put your lights out. I mean, this one is going to be an early banger, most definitely. Um, and although Nathaniel is only a year older, and even though he's three inches shorter, he's going to have only one inch uh, of reach ad- disadvantage, I should say. Um, but with all that considered, I just think he's the well-rounded fighter. I just, I've seen more from him. Um, I've seen him be in firefights and come out the other side on top. So with that in mind and with his ability to just be more battle tested. And like I said, just being a, a dude that just feels like he's carved out of wood. I'm leaning my boy, Nathaniel Wood on this one. What about you, brother? What do you, what do you think about this, this fight? <laughs> Honestly, I, I got to lean towards Nathaniel Wood in this one too, man. I think uh, Carved of Wood probably gets it done. I do think Muhammad uh, Naimov is an absolute beast. He's someone that has, um, you know, the world ahead of him as far as his MMA career. Fighting out of Tajikistan, the man is an absolute stud of a human being. But United Kingdom's very own Nathaniel Carved of Wood, I think, just has too much experience too much tenure in the UFC. And I think possibly that these lights are going to be too much for Muhammad Naimov. Uh, I think that he's going to come out there and I think the Hillman might be shocked a little bit, maybe shell shocked by the kind of, and again, I know this isn't his UFC debut. Trust me. I know he fought Jamie Malarkey. He got the win. Uh, he got the right hook uh, on ground strikes to him. I think it was in round two, but again, this is only his second fight in the UFC. He's fighting someone in Nathaniel Wood who's done this numerous times. This is now his home. Okay, this is his backyard. And I think he's going to go out there and prove it against Muhammad Naimov. I think realistically, he probably gets it done via finish. But Nathaniel Wood is somewhat of a decision-heavy fighter. Um, and not, not, nothing against him. Nothing against him at all. Uh, I actually like Nathaniel Wood. I think he's a really, really great fighter. But... Um, and I'm not saying he's decision heavy because he doesn't get like a ton of knockouts, right? Like he has seven KO slash TKOs. 37% of his wins are by way of TKO slash KO. 32% by submission, 32% by a decision. However, as of recently, since making it to the UFC, a lot of decisions. So I think the safe bet here is probably money line Nathaniel Wood. Uh, moving into the next fight, we got Mike Breeden. Coming in against at 10 and 6 against Anshul Jubli, who is undefeated at 7 and 0. Um, a lot of homegrown talent on this card, Nano. How do you see this one going? Do you think the homegrown hero gets it done? I think so. I'm giving the edge here to Anshul uh, Jubli, aka the King of Lions. Great name there. Uh, coming in at 7 and 0. Uh, just going to assume that he's going to be a little bit more well rounded. Hasn't sniffed the loss yet. Doesn't know what it feels like. So I think he's used to being in the driver's seat. Uh, and, and even in just some of the fights that I've seen, which again, this is going to be uh, his third fight in the UFC. 
but nobody that that is notice, uh, notable to me that I've seen him fight here in terms of names or um, you know prospects or things like that. So what I've just seen online was that he does look well rounded. He has a good uh, takedown defense, and then when it gets to the ground, he's throwing up different types of chokes. Um, seems to be really slippery. Um, just really good technique all around there. Um, maybe we could have Mad Max break down a little bit more of the fundamentals on the ground there because, you know, speaking a different language, but just looks smooth. Everything, you know, looks in control. Uh, and again, at 7 0, he must be doing something right in there. Hasn't found himself uh, a way to get into a bad position. So, with that in mind, going to lean the younger fighter there. Again, he's 28 years old going up against Mike Breeden at 34. Who, although uh, Mike Money Breeden, uh, fortunately, he has not been money in the octagon. He is coming off three losses here, um, two KOs, one to an Alexander the Great Hernandez and a Terrence McKinney back in August, which is really only a couple months ago. Um, never like seeing somebody make that quick of a turnaround. I don't know if Anshul has that kind of power or if he's really that kind of fighter. He's more of a death by a thousand cuts and really just find a way to edge out the victory. So I'm assuming Anshul will win by decision here. Um, and Mike Breeden, after four loot losses there, it's a, it's a tough spot to be in in terms of the UFC. Uh, but keep an eye here for the King of Lions. Might be a name and a prospect you might be hearing more of here moving forward. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, honestly, I don't think I could do any better than you did just now breaking it down. I think the hometown hero here on Shul Jubilee has the hometown advantage, right? Um, no acclimating for him, whereas... Mike Breeden, his opponent, uh, you know, he, he's going to be kind of out of place here. I think uh, Mike Breeden is somebody who is fighting out of Lee Summit, Missouri, right out of the U.S., um, whereas his opponent is fighting out of India. So not nearly as much of a time change for him, um, not as much travel for him. And also he's coming off of a TKO win back in February of this year, uh, even though, uh, you know, again, it's on. The under undercard, right, of UFC 218, it was Lewis versus Spivak. Uh, he got a very quick TKO win there in the second round, three minutes and 44 seconds in. I just think that Mike Breeden might have his work cut out for him. Um, I know Mad Max is probably going for the guy at a Lee Summit, obviously. Lee Summit, baby! Um, Lee Summit's only about three hours from Mad Max's place. All right, I was going to say, I, I feel like he's around that place. So, um, as the Shoei Meister himself says, you know, Mad Max is FTA. He's from the area. Uh, so, you know he's going for the hometown guy for him, Mike Breeden. For me, I think Mike Breeden might have his work cut out for him. He's 10-6. and six. He's lost three times by KO, three times by decision. His opponent, meanwhile, has... A lot of decisions and a couple of KOs. So I think the cards are leaning more in his favor. I also think Anshul has better kind of distance control from what I've seen in his fights. So I think that he should be able to get this done. I think that he probably ends up getting it done. Maybe stand up with a handful of punches like a barrage uh, up against the cage. If I had to put money on it, I'd say round two, but not 
Not a ton of uh, stake in this one, personally. Let's see what Mad Max says. I kind of worry for him on this one, though. My only hesitation is I'm curious how deep the talent pool that Jubilee has been coming up in. Obviously, a few UFC fights, but three decisions in lower level makes me hesitant to tad. Completely agree. That's why I would not tell anybody to bet on him to get the finish here. I think, if anything, it's safer to bet him by via money line and um, make sure that you're hedging bets elsewhere across the card. That way, you're kind of covering your ass as we go. Um, and we'll obviously go into the bets a little bit later on in the show. Moving into the next one, Nano. Uh, we have made it. We have made it, folks. We made it to the actual preliminary card here. And we got uh, Mr. Potato Man himself, Mr. Potato Head, Abu Azaitar, the man who snuck potatoes into uh, Abu Dhabi, if I'm not mistaken. So, oh, Mr. Potato Head. Oh, yeah, let's go. Coming in against uh, Cedric Dumas, uh, who, uh, for whatever reason, we've decided to shorten his name to SD Dumas. Um, Nano, I'll let you take the lead on this one again, my guy. How do you see this one going? Let's go, brother. Thank you for uh, allowing me to talk about our boy, Cedric, a.k.a. SD Dumas, first here. I'm going to be a hometowner and and just going to say that I'm a little biased. You know, we uh, heard about Cedric Dumas here uh, earlier in the year, just kind of going viral in his local city um, and now has grown to be a dog. And, you know, we support our dogs around here. So definitely uh, looking forward to an outing for him. He is on the road. He is going to uh, Abu's side of the world here. Uh, but I don't think that's going to matter, man. He's 6'2 in this uh, middleweight division. That's going to give somebody like Abu problems. He is going to come in with three inches, a reach advantage. And I think he's going to find a way to knock him out. I do. I think Cedric's going to find a way to finish Abu. Abu at 37 years old, while SD is only 28. Again, I'm always going to lean the younger fighter, especially when there's we're looking at nine years of an age difference. And on top of that, Abu's last fight, he did get knocked out. It, I mean, the writing's on the walls. I mean, father time is undefeated. Okay, so with that in mind, give me SD, finding a way to finish this. I don't, mostly because I think the longer it goes, the, the worse it looks. Okay, because if Abu's going to win out of those 14 wins that he has, it's half of them are by uh, knockout and half are by decision. So the longer it goes, the more likely he might be, you know, starting to fade maybe sd because it is a, a lot of travel maybe he thinks he got him out of there and kind of quote-unquote blows the load or just you know gasses himself out um and abu can slowly chip back away in this fight or can just knock him out at any point he does have that power but i'm leaning my boy sd here i think he's a find a way to get a decision find a way to get a victory here on the road on the other side of the world and have, make that uh, sweet 14 hour uh, flight back all the way here to the states that much sweeter the victory what do you think brother yeah i'm not bad at that uh i think man i think sd probably gets it done here i i uh i don't have faith in abu Azaitar. i think he's very inconsistent in his fights um captain morocco he did get the win over mark andre Berriot, uh which i thought was a very solid win for him but other than that i mean he hasn't really shown me a whole lot Right. So I, I think SD, however, came out in his UFC debut, showed massive holes in the grappling game, came out in his very next fight, fought a better grappler than himself from what I knew uh, and gathered and studied and beat him with grappling. So Vin Diesel's Moroccan cousin. I agree with Matt Max Meridian. Yes. 
Uh, me and me and the fiance were actually looking up Google pictures of Vin Diesel with hair um, from his movie back in the early 2000s. You should look it up. One of the best Google searches you ever see. Just Google search Vin Diesel with hair. And it, oh my it gosh, will, it will definitely make you laugh. I recommend doing a shot or two first. Definitely do that. Um, oh, dude, his Street Sharks commercial. Street Sharks. Dude, I had those action figures. Those action figures were fucking dope. I love streak sharks. So, um, <laughs> that being said, I think Mr. Potato Head probably loses. I'm going for Cedric Dumas in this one. Let's go, SD. Um, I don't know that I would bet him to get it done by finish, though. I think he might end up wrestle-fucking him into a decision, and I'm okay with it. Love to see the uh, kind of growth. This next fight is one I'm a little bit more excited about. Javid Basharat. Coming in against Victor Henry. Victor Henry is a very, very fun guy. Um, looks like he'd be a saxophone musician of some sort if you if you didn't see him fighting in the UFC. Curious to see how you actually see this one going. Because, um, yeah, I've got thoughts. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, man. I mean, this is a fun one. Javid uh, Basharat, uh, a.k.a. the Snow Leopard. He just looks like an assassin out there, man. Extremely stoic. And that's really the way he fights as well. And for whatever reason, man, maybe he's too quiet for his own good. Because how is this guy 14 to no? We've never heard of this kid. I mean, in the bantamweight division, I know there's a lot of studs. But my goodness. I mean, come on, UFC. We got someone 14 to no. We even know about this guy. Um, he's a stud. I mean, again, 14 to no, five knockouts, uh, six subs under his belt at just 28 years of age. Lands uh, his punches at a 65% clip. Thought that was really impressive. That tells me he's a bit more of, of a uh, of a sniper, right? He's He's got a little bit more of pinpoint accuracy uh, with the volume that he also can attribute uh, and, and beat you with. Again, death by a thousand cuts, we like to say around here. Uh, and he has what I believe could be every tool that he possibly have in the arsenal when it comes to an offensive uh, pedigree, his ability to throw kicks, throw question mark kicks, gets into that flow state. He's, he's throwing uh, spinning wheel, uh, spinning back fists. He's throwing elbows. He can put together good combinations. He's willing to rip the body. Um, it's just, and then he throws in impressive defense as well. I mean, obviously, again, you don't get to 14 to no by accident. Uh, but I was really impressed when I started to watch Javid on tape. Just thought, again, this is a comfortable, uh, a fighter that looks extremely comfortable in there. Um, has this stoic, fluid water like Bruce Lee uh, fighting style to him. It, it, it's really fun, and I'm uh, expecting some fireworks here against uh, Weird Al, aka Victor Henry. <laughs> what are your thoughts, brother? So, on this one, I completely agree. I think Weird Al gets it done, man. Uh, Victor Henry is an absolute stud of a human being. I think the first time that I saw him come into the actual uh, UFC personally uh, that I can remember was. Obviously, when he came into that fight against Howdy Barcelos, I remember I had Howdy Barcelos on our DraftKings that I host most weeks, uh, the private one, and Barcelos got fucked, bro. Like, <laughs> Victor Henry just went out there and just, it was like big brothering him. It was so bad. I've never seen anybody do that to Howdy before that. And um, boy, it was tough to watch. It was tough to witness. So I made, I made a deal with myself that I probably would never bet against uh good old victor henry again uh la mangosta as they call him he did get the loss to rafael sunsal but rafael sunsal is a dog absolutely 
I think we can all agree to that. Came right back, bounced back with the win over Tony Gravely after that. And that fight with Tony Gravely was a fucking barn burner. Very fun fight. I remember it fondly. And I don't think this one's going to be any different. I think Javid Basharat is an absolute beast. I think Basharat is um, somebody that will be uh, a name that we remember. The Snow Leopard fighting out of London, England is he's a stud, right? Like he's had three UFC fights. He made his debut in the Dana White's contender series. And by the way, all four of those fights were wins for him. Um, the only finish, however, was in Dana White's contender series. Hasn't been able to get an actual finish since making it into the UFC. Now, I think that's going to prove to be a very, very big problem for him. I think he's going to gas himself out trying to get a finish against Victor Henry, trying to prove himself to Dana and the brass. And Victor Henry is just a game, wily veteran of the of, of the mixed martial arts realm. And I just think he's going to show every, every inch of his medal in that fight. And uh, I think he's going to get it done. I think Victor Henry via submission or decision, probably the safer bet. Money line is probably the easiest way to go here. Um, moving into the next one, we got Trevor Peak coming in against Muhammad Yaya. Man, Trevor Peak's a very interesting character. How do you how do you see this going? Do you have a dog in this fight? I, I just simply can never bet on Trevor Peak to win a fight. It's as simple as that. I, I got to lean Muhammad Yaya here. Uh, more experience. He's going to have three inches of reach on his opponent, Trevor. Uh, he, he's got he's a switch stance fighter, so I think overall he'll be able to take uh, advantage of just more holes in Trevor's game. Um, someone that's switching it up out there just it makes it harder for you to read them, makes it harder for you to get different strikes off, and ultimately again he's more likely to find holes when he has ability to uh, well throw different strikes uh, from different angles. So with that in mind, I'm gonna go with Muhammad here he's from Dubai, somewhat of the hometown kid. Uh, 29 years old. Uh, I'm expecting some fun stuff from him. But yeah, I just I just don't think Trevor Peak is... I just don't think he belongs here, if I'm being honest. I don't get too harsh on him, but the guy just... When he gets in there, man, it just looks a little rough. <laughs> what do you think, brother? You no, know, I completely agree. Uh, I don't know if you saw the other the posts on uh, Instagram, or not Instagram, uh, Twitter this week, but there, there have been posts of him basically just walking around Abu Dhabi looking like he's high as hell on, on like a Percocet or something. Uh, so that being said, definitely not going to put my money on that guy. Uh, but at the same time, um, he could still win this fight guys. He's coming in against Muhammad Yaya, who is, He's a fighter, you know, he's a, he's a good fighter, uh, but he's someone who has not really fought UFC caliber opponents, right? Let's, let's look at his last four opponents to date. We've got Salim Al-Bakri, we've got Yazid Khushain, we've got Mohamed El-Jagzal, and we've got Zuhit Tahiri. Ever heard of any of those guys? That's okay. Neither have I. So, he's coming in here against a game opponent in Trevor Peak, who, whether he's walking around the streets of Abu Dhabi high on a Percocet or not, he's a guy who's ready to fight. And he's going to throw some weird shit that you don't see coming. Um, and it's oftentimes not the strongest or fastest or best strike you've seen. It's the, it's the one you don't see coming, right? So 
Mad Max said he's dangerous, but also incredibly amateur. That weird, unorthodox nonsense is hard to adjust to on the fly because you don't see it a ton. A lot of heart, but he's way outclassed in the UFC. I completely agree. Um, that being said, we love a weird fucking fighter. I am going to put my shot on Trevor Peak in this one. I don't know that he gets it done, but I, I think that he is a very, very hardy fighter. And what I mean is he's a fighter with a lot of heart. <laughs> so uh, I think Trevor Peak gets it done. Moving into the next one, I think, is when we're probably going to start to um, really disagree here. Uh, so Tim Elliott coming in against Mohamed Mikhaev. Nano, who we got? Oh, man. I think we might be disagreeing here, I'm assuming. But I, I got to go with the undefeated guy here, Mohamed Mokayev, the young prodigy, man. At 23 years young, 10-0 uh, in his last fight, nearly got his leg snapped in half, uh, twisted every bit way he possibly could. And this was like in the first or second round, and he still found a way to dig out and gut out a win. Uh, stayed in the fight. Lord knows how. I mean, this guy is just an absolute savage. After that, I thought I could never bet against him. Um, now, again, I mean, a Tim Elliott at 36 year old, years old. Again, 13-year difference here, ladies and gentlemen. You know how I already feel about that. Uh, spoiler, spoiler. Uh, but 20-12 and 12 record. I would say, man, a peak Tim Elliott, this would have been a different story, and this would have been a really fun fight. Um, but that's just not how things work. Can't, um, you know, make match matches that way um so this version of tim although i do believe he will put on a good fight the way he's able to move his defense he's very slick very fun fighter to watch um can take it down does have good defense i i just think the young bucks is gonna have a little bit too much for him i think he's gonna be a little too quick a little too shifty hard to get reads on somebody like that it's just gonna be like trying to chase that chicken and trying to you know catch them it's harder than it looks they don't they may not be moving that fast but it's just outside of your reach and i think that's what muhammad makai is going to display uh on saturday here but tim is slick man i mean he's got some fun movement if you throw on the highlight tape of him this is a guy that's been fighting the ufc for a long time he's got some bouts man he's got some some fun moves on his belt so i'm expecting some some unique strikes in this one what are your thoughts brother well I knew it. This is where we disagree, my guy. Uh, I think Tim Elliott is just going to end up being too damn strong and and too veteran and, and too too wily. I think uh, Muhammad Makayev is the safer bet, possibly. But you know me. I do love a wily underdog. And I think Tim Elliott is... Honestly, the fucking definition of a, just a, a wily underdog here, folks. So, I think Elliot definitely, uh, yeah, there's, there's like a, a gift that I used to send uh, back when we worked at Yelp. I think I'd send it to you on our fucking little ping channels of Tim Elliot throwing three back-to-back -back flying knees. And I'd say like me spamming fucking back-to-back -back phone calls right now. Um, <laughs> Tim Elliott spammed three flying knees. Nobody can do that in the UFC, okay? But this guy did it, and he made it look fucking cool. So that being said, I think Tim Elliott comes out here. I think he gets it done. He has a very unorthodox, weird, wily style. And uh, I think he's able to frustrate Muhammad Makayev early and get the finish in the second or third round here. Well, it looks like one of us will be doing a shot early here or maybe chugging a beer or something, <laughs> depending on what time it is. 
either way, hopefully one of us is cashing some money, man. Absolutely. Um, that being said, folks, ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, fight fans of all ages, shapes, and sizes, we have made it to the main card. UFC 294. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. It's time, guys. We have made it to UFC 294. And starting off the main card, we got Saeed Nurmagomedov. Uh, coming in against Moin Gafurov. No, no. How do you see this fight going? I'm, I'm going to be very shocked when you say that uh, you think the, the Nurmagomedov is probably going to win. Um, that's what I'm thinking, man. That's what I'm thinking here. It's hard for me to bet against a Nurmagomedov. Saeed, uh, although he's coming off a, a tough loss, close loss against a stud Jonathan Martinez, which was reconfirmed last weekend. And his win over Adrian Yanez, uh, which we discussed yesterday. Go check it out if you haven't yet. Uh, but Saeed, man, he's a talented kickboxer. He's really well-rounded. He's 31 years old. He's going to have a couple inches of reach advantage here. And he has all the octagon and all the big Showtime experience. And I, and I think that's going to be the difference here. Um, he is the betting favorite against Muin uh, Gafarov who even looking back at his one championship fight, I mean, the guy comes in and, and lays it all on the line, puts his heart in his sleeve, is extremely talented, uh, opportunistic fighter. If he's you know getting in these striking matches, he's willing to grab a leg, try to uh, find a way to get you down, try to switch it up, get you off your game plan, get keep you off your center line. Um, he's a really good fighter, but I got to lean. Look at that. I just feel more comfortable seeing um, in those close matchups, seeing, uh, find ways to get finishes, even though he lost to, again, a Jonathan Martinez, who that loss has aged very well since then. I still think Said has a lot to say, and I think he's going to be looking for revenge here. And unfortunately, Muin is going to be uh, on the receiving end of that. What do you think, brother? Yeah, I'm not mad at it, man. Uh, I, I think realistically, looking at kind of the differences here, Saeed Nurmagomedov has a two-inch reach advantage. Um, Saeed is, uh, I mean, he's a Nurmagomedov. Guys, let's just call a spade a spade here. Most of these guys have a bit of a cheat code. He did lose to Jonathan Martinez, but again, bit of a cheat code. Howdy Barcelos, again, bit of a cheat code in my opinion. Um, has wins over Cody the Spartan Stamen, Douglas Silva Deandraj, uh, and Sajiob Kakrakmanov. Now, Kakrakmanov is an absolute fucking beast, okay? Kakrakmanov is the guy that beat Ronnie Lawrence, Trevin Jones, um, fucking Rafael, or Rafael Costa. And this guy got a ninja choke on him. So I think that realistically, this man is an absolute beast. I think Saeed ends up probably getting it done this weekend over uh, Muin Gafarov, but also not mad at Mad Max Meridian in the chat throwing in smoke and bombs and fire all fucking day. Muin Inside the distance, plus 425 is worth a quarter of a unit uh, rather than slapping uh, and also slapping Saeed Moneyline. I think slapping Saeed Moneyline and moving inside the distance plus 425 with a quarter unit. I mean, you're going to make money either way, guys. So that being said, if I'm not hedging, I'm putting Saeed Moneyline. Um, moving into the next fight, we got Ikram Aliskarov coming in against Warley Alvarez. Folks, what year is it? 
What year is it right now? Worley Alvarez fighting the UFC? <laughs> what fucking year is it? I know, man. There's some good throwbacks here that Worley squared off against. You'd be surprised. <laughs> Dude, man fought Alan Jobon in 2014, folks. He fought fucking Colby Covington in 2015. Brother, he beat Colby right? Covington. He, he beat, beat Colby, Colby Covington. Covington in 2015. Damn it, he's only 32? What the hell? Yeah, I mean, after getting beat by Worley Alvarez, it's no wonder Colby said uh, Brazil's a dump. <laughs> that's where it all started huh oh that's hilarious also brian barbarena in this mix james kraus james kraus knocked out morally wait the james kraus <laughs> uh let me clarify it yes oh my goodness the. oh my goodness i can't believe it <laughs> you're out of bounds yeah, man. i mean this guy <clears throat> although i typically would be impressed by that kind of resume and being in the octagon with that amount of people, I don't think the mileage here for uh, Warley Alves is going to do him any justice. I do think no. that uh, his opponent, Ikram, uh, Alice Garov, has an impressive 14-1 and record. That loss was a while back here, and that was to a one and only Kamzat Chemaev. So that, that seemed to have aged really well since then. He's won six of his last fights. Um, five knockout victories, five subs as well. Dude's just extremely well-rounded. I mean, looks yeah. like an absolute beast out there. I think he's going to find a way to put Warley out of his misery early in this fight. Otherwise, it'll be 15 minutes of dominance. What do you think? Boy, you ain't lying. I think uh, this one's... I mean, it's going to whoa one way or the other, right? I think uh, Ikram is either going to like go out there and dominate or Warley Alves is going to go out there and just show his veteranship and probably get a wily submission or decision late in the round. Um, He's coming off two back-to-back losses. As you said here, Jeremiah Wells, Nicholas Dalby, which the Nicholas Dalby one, I think we can all agree doesn't count. Okay. Nicholas Dalby fun fact. Okay. Inconsistent fighter in the UFC. That's not the fun fact. The fun fact is this. Okay. Get ready to seriously look at the screen and go, what the fuck? Um, Here's the thing. Nicholas Dalby is undefeated against Brazilians in Brazil. Man goes out to Brazil and kills Brazilians. It's just what he does. So it's not on Worley that he lost, okay? It's on Nicholas Dalby to just go out there and do Nicholas Dalby things. So that one doesn't count. We're just going to say his most two recent losses are to Randy Brown and Jeremiah Wells. That being said, Jeremiah Wells is a beast. He's got knockout power. He knocked him out 30 seconds into the second round. It was a flash knockout. It was gross, and uh, it happens. Randy beat down Brown. He got him with a triangle choke in round two. This man's weakness is round two, so obviously he's got to get it done round one, Um, or he's going to get just a a long-winded decision. Again, if I'm betting money on this, I'm going Ikram Aliskarov. I think Ikram is the younger, um, just better fighter in this in this case uh he's not that much younger as you said he's only two years younger which is insane to think about guys just because of the career that Worley Alves has had he's been doing this for so long but again I digress this young man standing across from him is coming off of a six fight win streak most recent loss by the way was before he made it to the UFC to someone you might have heard of Nano you heard of this guy Kamzat Shamayev it rings a bell. <laughs> okay, cool, 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 cool. Um, so since that rings a bell, um, his most recent loss 
is to Kamzat fucking Shemaev, guys, who is pretty high up this fucking card sitting at the co-main event. So that's no shame. There's no there's no shame or no foul in that. And by the way, folks, that's his only fucking loss. Uh, so got knocked out in two and a half minutes by that guy. And I, that's the rematch I want to see. I think if Ikram comes out here and gets the win, that's what the fight I want to see next. Ikram versus Kamzat, the rematch in the UFC. Ooh, there we go. Moving into the next one, we got Magomed Ankalaev in the light heavyweight division coming in against Johnny Walker, who has a wild reach advantage over Magomed. He's got a seven-inch reach advantage, Nano. How does that one make you feel? Fuck. Sheesh. Makes me feel small. They're both 6'6 and 6'3 here. These uh, brothers are big. These are some big men. (laughs) And uh, who do you you have winning this one, man? Uh, We got... The, the kind of wily wrestler and the guy that is so strong he breaks his own bones when he does post-fight celebrations. I know it, man. <laughs> I know it. These guys, they've, they've both been injured post-celebration. Um, but this is a fun one, man. Johnny Walker finally uh, in a position here at the light heavyweight div- uh, division where if he wins this fight, if he beats the number two ranked Magomed Ankalaev, he has a legitimate <laughs> shot to uh, make a claim at the light heavyweight title. Something that we've been talking about since I think the Yelp days, brother, this has been years in the making, you know, uh, Johnny Walker getting with Coach Kavanaugh and the boys there. Uh, if you don't know who Coach Kavanaugh is, that is uh, Conor McGregor's old coach. Um, somebody that has been able to harness the Johnny Walker energy, allowed him to stay focused, stay disciplined, which I think is most important uh, to for him to put all those skills together and to make him a, a legitimate lethal fighter here. With that being said, Magomed is just... Uh, an interesting guy, right? I, I want to definitively say if he sticks to the game plan, if he fights hungry, him at his best, I mean, he can deliver strikes and he can be creative and he can take punches like no other. I do think Magomed at his best can find a way to put away Johnny Walker. But I've I've seen so many different versions of him, man. Like that Jan fight to me... Uh, against Jan Blahovic, most recently, that was considered a draw where he had a chance to go in and win the title. He had a chance to go and claim the gold, and he just he didn't. There's just some, it was something about that that just really just do- doesn't sit right with me. I don't know what it is about it, but when it's all said and done, I, I think if he stays focused or if he learned from that victory, I think he should be able to stay in the driver's seat here. And I think he should be able to edge out a victory against a Johnny Walker. I think it will be a really fun fight. There is a world where Johnny Walker can get a win as well. I'm, I'm deep down secretly rooting for that, but I'm just going to take the edge here to Magomed on Kalive, the number two ranked light heavyweight here. I think he's going to keep that spot. And he's in a display of variety of striking, his leg kicks, his his punching ability. And I think he's going to keep Johnny Walker at distance. And I think he's going to you know make Johnny Walker a bit more gun shy and just ultimately not able to get off those big strikes and to land anything with clean authority. So I'm landing Magomed here, brother. I'm, I don't feel great about it. I'm probably going to hedge it, but it's tough. I don't think Johnny Walker's ready yet, though, brother. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm going to be honest, man. I uh, 
I, I I feel like we're agreeing a lot more than we usually do. Um, I, I'm leaning towards Michael Ben in this one. Uh, if if I'm being completely honest, when it comes to the career of Johnny Walker, I feel like he's someone that came into the UFC and had just the whole world underneath him. Right? Uh, he had just a, a world of potential and just honestly limitless potential for the young man. But then he bounced around with camps. I feel like maybe didn't take his career as seriously as he could have or should have. And as a result, I mean, his career went from just flying straight up to. And it's been hard to watch, man. Um, but that being said, I'm a big fan of him. Even when he does the worm after he wins and, and rips his own shit up. I'd like to see him go out there and perform very, very well. But that being said, I think stylistically, this is possibly one of the worst matchups we have seen for the young man. Um, his most recent wins are over Ion Kirilaba, Paul Krieg, and uh, Anthony Smith. And if you say Paul Krieg and you don't say it like that, at least a little bit of respect for you. Um, so, that being said, those are very notable wins. Paul Craig, however, is uh, he's not really a light heavyweight. I think we can agree to that after seeing him fight at middleweight recently and dominate. Um, Anthony Smith, I think, is a middleweight that moved up to light heavyweight that should possibly move back down to middleweight. And Ayan Kudalaba is arguably one of the more inconsistent fighters in the UFC. So, that being said, we're talking about these guys here. Probably leaning towards Magomed Ankalaev here. I think he gets it done via submission, ground and pound, or decision here. I'm um, not going to give you a specific take on this one because there's so many variables and there's so many ways that Magomed has ways to finish this fight. If you wanted to hedge it, I would say Magomed Moneyline and Johnny Walker via uh, TKO or KO. Um, I think the odds on those are both probably favorable to some extent. And you can hedge that, like a quarter of a unit on Johnny Walker by knockout and a full unit on Magomed Ankalaev money line. Moving into the co-main event of the evening, we got Kamaru Usman coming in against Hamzat Shimaev. Nano, who do you got in this one, man? Oh, baby, this is a fun one, man. Just when I was just getting excited to tell you about how Kamzat Shimaev was going to be fine, Paulo Costa... We had a crazy week and we had some changes and all of a sudden that uh, level 10 excitement went to a level of thousand because next thing we knew we have two of the baddest mother effers we've ever seen here in the octagon. We've ever seen. Uh, we got Kamzat Shemaev squaring off against Kamaru Usman, the ex uh, welterweight champion of the world. Somebody who in his peak, man, is just legendary i mean some of the he's delivered some of the best fights we've ever seen go watch Usman versus colby one who he now claims as his favorite fight because of the fear factor because of their willingness to go in neutralize the wrestling and just said we're gonna go out here and we're gonna swing and bang um phenomenal fight broke colby's jaw and i think that's where he really earned my respect as a champion and he continued to be a champion and he was classy in defeat with his losses against Leon Edwards, which is still kind of crazy to wrap my head around. I don't 
imagine him not being the champion. But now, you know, uh, having time to reflect, having time to now see him step up and take this fight on 10 days notice. Um, and now hearing Gilbert Burns talk about it more um, on the lead up with it. Um, he also went on to uh, DC and RC's podcast to talk more about how, you know, he was seeing Kamaru training, how he's obviously shared the octagon with both of those guys. I even went back and watched those fights and all things considered, man, I do think the size is going to be something to factor in here. And what I mean by that is, you know, how big Kamzad is just naturally. This 185 pound uh, class for him means he had no need to deplete himself, has no need to try to take away from the training. Everything he's doing is just to be in ample shape. Gilbert mentioned, is Kamzad going to be too big and bulky? The answer is no. If you just look at him um, in these embedded episodes, if you just look at him training, if you just look at his physique, he looks like he's in one hell of a shape. The way he's moving, he's fast, he's snappy, and he's strong. I mean, every time Gilbert tried to <laughs> grab a leg, tried to take him down, Kamzad just big brothered him and said, no, I'm not going anywhere. It was really impressive to watch. Now, I know Gilbert is not Kamaru. Kamaru is a little different. If he wants to grab a leg, he's going to go ahead and take him down. That's just what's going to happen. But then again, I don't know, right? I mean, now this is a different Kamaru. This is this is Super Saiyan 2, right? Okay, we're talking about a beefier, more full version of Kamaru Usman, who never really relied on his speed as much as he really just got away with his well Tech, um, very well-timed technique uh, and his ability to wrestle fuck you if need be, right? But him getting with Coach Whitman um, really solidified, um, Trevor Whitman, that is, his, his ability to to strike, his ability to cut off the octagon, uh, get, uh, keep control of things there, um, or have the ability to regain them if need be. What's going to happen is I think Kamzat's going to demand the middle of the octagon. He's going to be pushing forward the entire time. Uh, I think the Kamaru is going to try to keep him at distance. And I think that he is technical enough to to connect with Kamzat, even if he's on his back foot, even if he is not you know, walking him down. If Kamzat is the one moving forward, he, Kamzat is willing to give one to take one. And we've seen Gilbert put some heavy hands on Kamzat that did wobble him. Usman can eventually do that to him. This is only a 15-minute round fight. This is or 15 minutes fight, three rounds. This is not a five-minute, 25-minute war that Kamaru is used to. So I think with that, I think that does favor Kamzat a little bit more in the sense that he knows he's just going to try and go out here and find a way to finish Kamaru within 15 minutes. Kamaru, on 10 days' notice, only has to go... 15 minutes, three rounds. He has that in the bag at 185, which, hey, no way cut. But the million dollar question is how healthy are his knees? How healthy is his body? How is he going to look after, again, two losses, getting knocked out to Leon? I mean, mentally, what does that do to you, right? There's a lot to consider here, man. I'm just, all things said, I mean, I can go back and forth. I could probably talk myself into Kamaru. can go either way on this fence brother but i have to make a decision that's what we're doing here and, and i'm leaning kamzat chemaev i'm taking the favorite here the on uh, vegas i'm taking the seven-year younger fighter here 29 years old 12 and 0 
the guy that just feels like he's more hungry. He has more to fight for. I don't want to get political, but just go to Comzat's uh, Instagram. Look at some of the videos he's posting about his motivation, his why, some of the villages that you see, some of the kids in his neighborhood. And you realize that's why when this is training and that's why when you hear these stories about what kind of dog he is, how savage he is, how he just is always at a level 10. There's a reason for that. And he's hungry. He wants what Kamaru already had. I think the last thing I'll end it on here that makes me fearful of betting on Kamaru is that he's already talking about beating Kamzat, beating Sean Strickland again, and then retiring. So trying to basically do this like, like I'm going to go out on top. But he's got one foot in, one foot out. You're already mentioning retirement. You're not, that's not the way to talk about it, right? And and again, I'm going to take the younger, hungrier guy who has not been champion yet, who isn't sleeping on silk seat uh, sheets, who doesn't have the satin clothes, the satin pajamas. Um, I'm I'm Ben on the wolf, man. Give me comms out, baby. Well, I love to hear that, man. Uh, I'm actually betting comes out too. If you asked me yesterday who I was betting, I would have told you Kamaru. I would have told you Kamaru Usman. I thought he's the better wrestler. I thought he was going to present major problems. But that being said, boom, going to go ahead and switch out the backdrop here so that way we can go ahead and hit the present button. Uh, Because, folks, we have kind of a development here. Uh, Let's go ahead and full screen this bad boy and show this. So this is at Open Workouts today, folks. Um, as you can see, Kamaru Usman is training with Justin Gagey. You can see a little quick twitch there of his knee. And then when he does this maneuver coming up soon in the next five seconds, he's gonna you're going to see him lift. Boom. Are you okay? Something popped. Okay, now I'm not sure if you saw that. Again, he says, are you okay? And then Kamaru mentions something popped. Um, and then you see him get up gingerly. Now we'll watch it one more time. So again, right there, it looked like there was a weird pop as well. There was a weird twitch from Kamaru. Now you're going to see him again shoot for a, a, a nice little double leg here. Boom. Gets under. Sprawl. Quick. Oh. Dip under. You all right? Something popped. And you see how slow he gets up and then... It's almost like Justin knows to just cut it off and end it, get a good clap going. That's it. Um, now, again, folks, I personally feel like this is one of those situations where the fighter should probably just pull out of the fight. Uh, you're a wrestler. Your leg looks significantly compromised. And I think that because of that, there's going to be a huge discrepancy in this fight as far as speed takedown ability and ability to negate takedowns if one leg even is compromised in this kind of fight against a game animal like Bors the wolf himself uh as you said oh um i'm not here for it man i i think it's just not a good a good look and because of that video and that video alone i'm going comes out in this one i think he probably gets it done likely um but, you know, we'll, we'll probably hedge some bets on it. So, I would probably go uh, money line on that. I don't know that I would go inside the distance just because I don't know if he's able to finish Kamaru Usman. Kamaru's an animal, right? Like, he's very, very game. Solid chin. Going to be hard to put away. Um, 
that's one of those where I might put a small, like a quarter of a unit on Camaro and then a full unit on comes out, right? Or maybe even five units on comes out. Who the fuck knows? But uh, we'll see, guys. We'll, we'll we'll let the money talk and we'll let the whiskey talk on Saturday. Hell Moving yeah. into the main event of the evening. Uh, you guys know I'm stoked on this one. Uh, one half uh, of these guys uh, broke a bone in my fucking body some years ago. So Islam Makachev coming in against Alexander the Great Volkanovsky. Nano, this is just one hell of a rematch, man. Um, definitely curious to know who you have winning this one. But I feel like there's never going to be a better time than now for us to to just, you know, do a rally shot before we give Let's our breakdown it. of this one. Uh, before you actually give your analysis, your detailed analysis, right off the cusp, who do you think wins? Bulk. You should do two shots. I'll do a stiff one. I think both going to find a way to get it done, brother. He's chasing greatness, man. This is his time. And I've seen crazier things happen, right? I didn't think Sean Strickland is going to be champion. Hell, I love Sugar Sean O'Malley. I didn't think he was going to be champion. But yeah, here we are, brother. Here we are. I don't know that those things coincide with each other. Uh. <laughs> Just that MMA anomalies happen all the time, man. MMA and although this may feel like an time. MMA anomaly for the, somebody to take a fight on 10 days notice and beat the champion, if someone were to do it, it's going to be Volk, brother. It's going to be Alexander the Great. It could be. It could be. I, I don't think that's the craziest thing that I've uh, ever heard in my entire life, but you already know I'm going with. So that being said, we'll do a shot. We'll go ahead and get into it, my guy. Cheers. Oh, boy. Got, let's, let's, let's hear why you got him. I mean, not only is this one of the most anticipated rematches ever, Right. But arguably, I mean, you can make a case that Volk was really close to winning that fight, might have won it on certain judges cards. I did just rewatch it. So it's, a, it's more relevant to me. And I think the common theme, especially after seeing some more video surface after the fact, uh, was that, you know, you, you, you don't know what you don't know. Right. I, I love saying that expression. And the truth of the matter is somebody like Islam was really put on this pedestal, was really seen. And even just putting myself into a competitor, into an athlete's body, into someone like Volk, if you know you're going up against somebody that's bigger than you, you know you're technically the underdog. There's something about that, no matter what, until you know, until they get their hands on you, until you get your hands on them, till you're actually in the octagon when that cage is locked. You don't know what that feels like until you've actually been in there. And Volk now knows what that feels like. 25 minutes of it. Full dose. A full training camp. Everything Islam needed. He knew it was for... He got his best that night. And Volkanovsky was able to to take it. And and not get dominated like most people do. Okay? And and that was really the, the early narrative. They both got dropped. They both had uh, moments on the feet. 
if I'm being honest, Volk was putting on a clinic on his feet. I mean, the way he was able to move, the way he was controlling those exchanges is, is what was impressive. Um, Islam was able to eventually find an opening for a couple of takedown attempts. He drowned, was able to get them at times, was not, was not always able to stay in those positions. Volk was able to get back up. I don't know if you just heard the other day, but uh, Volkanovski was weighing 180 a few days ago. I don't know what he was weighing back when they first fought, when he was just coming off a featherweight contention title uh, defense. But the way I see it, I think Volk's probably as strong and as big as he's ever been right now. And I think that kind of validates my thought in that Volk's probably stronger than Islam. And I think he realized, like, I actually, with a little bit more technique, and yeah, I know I just had surgery and I haven't been able to necessarily wrestle, but I know wrestling technique and now I know your strength and I think I think I got you, bro. And now he's not afraid to go toe-to-toe with them. Like I think he's gonna go in there and try and knock him out. Like I think he's gonna try and knock him out very early, like from the jump. Like I think Volt's gonna go in there hungry, saying, I don't wanna test my cardio. Yeah, I'm coming off the couch. Yeah, I know I have a gas tank that's bigger than maybe anybody in on the UFC roster, but don't, he's not going to leave it there. I don't think he's in a fight with as much respect as he did last time. I think he's going to go in there and head hunt. He's going to go in there and try and chop at that leg. He's going to throw a lot of combinations. He's going to try and channel something like he did against that Max Holloway. He's not going to have respect for the takedowns anymore. I, that's just my thought. I, I think he finally cracked the code, brother. I think Alexander's going to put on something, man. It's going to be special. And Islam, I love him. He's still 31 years old. I think, if anything, maybe you do the immediate rematch, depending on how Volk looks here. Unless he catches him, then, you know, that's a totally different story. But, um, man, wouldn't be surprised if Islam wins. Don't get it twisted here. I'm just trying to sell you on the vision that I'm painting, that Alexander the Great, man, is just he has it in him. Again, when it comes to the feet, his footwork, his ability to cut off the octagon, Find ways to, to deliver strikes to the body, to the head, to the feet, to the legs, head, shoulders, knees, toes. Um, he's just got all the tools, man. And I think that clinch will definitely be the X factor if he could win all those exchanges, get him Islam up against the fence, and hopefully stuff enough of the takedowns. But I think we've seen scoring wise, even if Islam does, you know, and ultimately score a few of them, Volk can still find a way to win on his feet. So I, I'm leaning Volk here, man, but. Talk me out of it, brother. What are your what are your two cents? Or give me the full dollar. <laughs> well, um just gonna come right out and say it. I disagree. Uh, in the words of Rick Sanchez. <laughs> um, I completely disagree. I think that Volkanovsky is an absolute beast of a fighter. I'm a big, big fan of his. But I mean, after the way he's been acting this week since accepting the fight on short notice, which, by the way, Islam also accepted the fight on short notice, so you can all... Lick, lick, lick my balls! You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> yeah! <laughs> so, here's the thing. I feel like the the whole, like, oh, he accepted this fight on short notice, so he should be given some kind of leeway. No. You're either ready to take the fight or you're not ready to take the fight. You're either healthy to take the fight or you're not healthy to take the fight. And that is the way the news goes. And that's the way news goes facts folks uh so i think that if 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 you're gonna have a built-in excuse you probably shouldn't take the fight because that means that you are accepting defeat already and to me everything that volk has said i'm coming off the couch this week 
I got nothing to lose. All the pressure's on him. Um, sure, that's fair. Like, great for you. But that tells me you have built an excuse. And you're already giving yourself a reason to lose and not feel bad about it. So make those excuses for yourself. But as the kids say, miss me with that bullshit. Okay, um, I'm not here for it. Personally, if we go back and we look at the original fight that actually happened between these same two gentlemen that are fighting here on Saturday, uh, they just recently fought. You might remember this. It wasn't so long ago. It was actually Saturday, February 11th, 2023. And um, again, Volk outlanded him in total strikes. Volk outlanded him in significant strikes. But Volk landed zero out of four takedowns. Islam landed four out of nine takedowns. So I know what you're thinking, and I know what you casual fans are going to say, and I'm not here to make fun of you or say, like, fuck you, casuals. Ah. Uh, But what I am here to say is I'm going to school you a little bit. I'm going to learn you something, as they say in the South here, still to this day, which is fucking wild. Um, I'm going to learn you a lesson. Volk is not the non-crotch sniffer that you think he is, because you see... A, they have the same win percentage. They both have an exact percentage of UFC wins of 93 percentile. 93% of their fights in the UFC have been wins. Um, And I I know, I know. Volk has won more by KO. Okay? That's fine. 38% to 15% in the UFC. But that's okay. Volk has zero fucking submission wins in the UFC. Do you know who has 46% of their wins come by way of submission in the UFC? Islam Akachev. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and no, 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 no. Not not in the South and Cali. I, I am originally from Louisiana, my guy. I, I was born in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Mostly raised in Louisiana. That's why Justin Poirier is my favorite fighter. And also, Daniel Cormier. Come on, guys. Let's go! There he is! <laughs> um, come on, guys. Come on. This came uh, when Mary ordered me the custom Dustin Poirier Christmas ornament. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so. Sick. You love it. You love it. The South up in this bitch. So, uh, you know, the South is always in here. Mad Max Meridian. The South is in my heart. It's in my very heart, folks. So, <laughs> moving forward, guys. Uh, Islam Akachev. He did everything right in the first fight, in my opinion. He got four out of nine takedowns while his opponent got zero. And again, um, in that fight, I personally feel like Islam did exactly enough to win. I thought he actually won four out of five rounds. But if you wanted to make an argument for him winning three out of five rounds, I'm fine with that as well. Uh, I'm not going to go through that argument again because we've already done that argument. I want to say like three times on this fucking exact podcast. So just at the sake of not like boring our our listeners for the third time with that or fourth time with that. um, Just going to say this. Islam Makachev is someone that is more slept on than anybody that has held a championship belt in the entirety of the UFC. Volkanovsky is somebody that is an absolute beast. He's been an underdog more often than he ever should have. But I don't think this Saturday is a reason for him to not be an underdog. I think he goes out there. I think he does everything he can to win this fight. And I think he does everything right. Which is the worst thing about Alexander Volkanovsky. He's going to do everything right. And he's still going to lose the fight because Islam is going to be just a step ahead of him. He's also going to do everything right, but he's going to have tools in his arsenal that Alexander isn't ready for. 
because according to Alexander Volkanovsky's coach, Sambo isn't real. Um, he's gone on the record to say Sambo isn't real. Sambo's fake. Sambo's made up. So is in jiu-jitsu. So is your favorite fetish you're into. Some guy made it up before you got into it. Or gal. <laughs> now you're to discriminate. Um, and then you got into it. And now because of that, it's not a stigma. So same thing with all these people that made up these fucking Brazilian jiu-jitsu's and judos and sambos of the world. Um, and, you know, Craig Jones can control all he wants, but when his fighter loses to a superior grappler on Saturday, it's okay. And yes, I'm aware Craig Jones is fucking around Mad Max. I know. But at the same time, like, I hope he's focusing the same amount of energy into training his actual fighter because I think there's going to be a huge grappling deficit. And I think that in the first fight, Islam almost used that fight as a chance to work on his striking in the same exact way that his predecessor, his idol, his prodigy, um, Khabib Nurmagomedov did against Ally Aquinta in the short notice villain to work on his jab, to work on his striking in the only fight that people said, Khabib looked uh, rough in there. Khabib looked like he had trouble in there. Khabib was working on his striking. He was having fun, bro. So, I think this is going to be a very dominant uh, matchup. And I honestly think Islam gets the finish in this one, folks. I think he ends up getting a rear naked choke in the third round. If I had to call it to a direct money, money T here, Bo, I, I think... That's just the way it's going to happen, guys. I think uh, he gets it done in the third round. Submission. If I had to put money on it, probably a rear naked choke. But I don't know, guys. Uh, We'll see how fucking wrong I am next week when I possibly am doing a shot. But that being said, guys, uh, we do have some bets to get into here. Um, We have a couple of bets here. I'm going to let Nano take the lead. Nano, what do you think? You want to take the lead, buddy? Let's go. I'll jump on in, baby. We got Nano's fix, putting all the eggs in one basket again. That's right. You know we jive turkeys do, baby. We are you we are loyal. We put it all in one basket. Everything you got. Everything you got. Everything you got. With that being said, I put everything I got in this five pick parlay, ladies and gentlemen. Plus nine hundred and sixteen odds. Let me break it down for you now. Starting off with Nathaniel carved out of wood to win money line at minus three forty. He is the favorite here, but I do feel really good about it. I've seen him in action, man. I just think he's going to find a way to get this done. So first, Nathaniel Wood, money line. Next, Saeed or Margomedov. Then if you listen to what I said earlier, he's going to find a way to get it done. Okay, He's been in there with the who's of the who's in the UFC. He is the hometown kid. At minus 218, I feel like that is pretty fair odds to... Um, which tells me maybe I need to put a little more respect on his opponent, but not today, Junior. Okay, I'm gonna take some money and I'm gonna run with it. So give me Saeed Nurmagomedov money line. Next, we got another we got another Magomedov here, uh, but it's Magomed Ankalaev. Okay, I think he's gonna find a way at minus three sixty, a little bit of a heavier favorite in my opinion over our boy Johnny uh, Black Label Walker, who again has had flashes of greatness. But unfortunately, just is not consistent, or at least in my opinion, um, just doesn't have that it factor that I think it takes to make that jump. I think he's right where he is probably going to peak at, you know, in that top five to top 10 range. 
Uh, but I just don't think Johnny Walker has the man. I just don't think he has it all to beat a Magomed Ankalaev. I think that dude is built a little different. He's been in there with the who's who's and he's trying to retain that number two spot. And I think he will. Next up here, we have Kamzat Chemaev minus 278. Like pretty good odds there. Uh, again, man, he's the young, hungry buck here. That wolf is, uh, he means business. Okay. This isn't the wolf that stole your grandma's clothes and is laying in the bed there. Um, you know, Red Riding Hood style. This guy means business. He's looking for a chance at the title. And I think he has all the motivation. He has the deepest why and the deepest motivation that you can think of here. So give me comes out to to win by decision. Last but certainly not least, the underdog, which is crazy to think that I'm getting my boy Alexander Volkanovsky at plus odds. It's probably the last time, maybe since he fought Islam. Before that, we're talking years since he's been an underdog. So give me those plus odds on Alexander Volkanovsky to do something special Saturday night. Let's go. One uni for 10 units, baby. I like it. Go big or go home. Olin, I know you got some queued up as well, baby. Talk to me now. Man, I'm not going to lie. It's uh, it's going to be tough to follow that, my guy. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and let Rick sum it up for you. All right. Good job, champ. Yeah, man. Great, great job with those picks, buddy. Uh, moving into mine here, you know, we're going a little army man-esque. We're going a little divide and conquer, you know. Um, and let me just tell you that if this parlay hits. Welcome to the darkest year of our adventures. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so here we're going to go ahead and jump into this parlay. We've got an eight hitter, all right? Plus 34,281 odds. Okay, uh, so the odds are stacked against us a little bit here. Oh, geez, Morty. Um, Shara Magomedov, favorite, minus 250. We've already gone over the reason, folks, so we don't need to go over it again. Shara gets this done over Bruno Silva. Why, how, which, when, where? He's going to get it done by grappling. He's going to get it done probably by ground and pound. Either way, he's going to fucking get it done. SD Dumas, he's a favorite coming in against Mr. Potato Head himself. I think he gets it done via the grappling that he has learned recently, as well as the strength, the sheer strength that he has, folks. I think he might even get it done via knockout, via finish here. Going into the next one. This is exactly why I said this is going to be the darkest time of our lives, Marty. Welcome to the darkest year of our adventures. (sighs) Guys... If this parlay hits, I will be a very wealthy man. But I'll also be a little bit upset because Alexander Volkanovsky has to get it done over my hometown hero, the man from my own first big MMA gym I trained at, American Kickboxing Academy's own Islam Makachev. Okay, if Alexander Volkanovsky gets it done, boy, this is the only reason I want to see it happen. Because all the rest of these will happen to happen before that. And moving forward, we got Saeed Nurmagomedov. I think he gets it done. Why? Why put it on the picture here? He's a sniper, folks. I think he's going to get it done because he's he's going to have the shot selection. He's going to have the fight IQ. And I think that he is going to overall have the skill advantage going into this fight. Timothy Elliott coming in against Muhammad Makayev is a who's who of the up-and-comer versus the Wiley veteran that's been here for a very long time in Tim Elliott. Tim Elliott is someone who can throw three flying knees back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back. To back to back to back to back. Don't call it a comeback. It's a flying knee. 
fucking spamgasm. Uh, the, the man is an absolute animal, guys. Uh, he fights like a video game character. He throws strikes like a video game character. And also, he's a damn good grappler. Um, Muhammad Mikhaev's best bet in this fight is to take him down early and keep him down long. I don't think that he's going to be able to do that. And because of that, I think Timothy Elliott is able to get up from the takedowns early, tire out Muhammad Mikhaev, make him work very, very hard, make him exhaust himself early, and get the finish in the second or third round. Moving forward, Johnny Walker, guys, do a shot for the man named after the whiskey brand himself. Black label, red label, blue label, take your fucking pick. Pick your poison. Johnny label, Johnny Walker. I think this man gets it done. Plus 285, guys. He's coming in against Magomed Ankalaev. This is the Bizarro card, okay, guys? This is not the one that I think is going to, to realistically hit, okay, guys? But if it did, it would be pretty awesome. Okay, guys. So Johnny Walker, plus 285. It's worth it to throw a tiny little sprinkle on this because, again, I truly feel like if SD wins, if Alex wins... Johnny Walker's probably going to win, and so is Tim Elliott on that night, guys. I'm, I'm just calling a spade a spade here. And the last but not least, final pick of this eight-leg parlay is none other than Hamzat Shimaev coming in against Kamaru Usman. It's an eight-pick parlay plus 34,281. We're throwing a little, little tiny bit on that one. A uh, couple units. And then going into the singles here, guys, as you can see here, the army man carrying the wounded soldier out of the battlefield after just getting wrecked. Uh, this is probably what's going to happen to me on Saturday, guys. These are all solo money lines here. We got a little, uh, what is it? What is it, Nano? Is it a unit on each of these? I think it's a unit on each of these. We got a unit on yep. Bruno Silva. Why the fuck not? We got a unit. Uh, wait, did I put Bruno Silva in there twice? No, 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 no. It should be that's Tim Elliott. That's not what that's supposed to be. It's supposed to be Tim Elliott, guys. That is an amateur hour mistake on my behalf here. Uh, Tim Elliott, we got a money line on, and we also have a money line on who? Mr. Knee Pop himself, Kamaru Usman. Uh, so, again, guys, that is six units to hit 447 units. Uh, it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a far-fetched bet this week, guys. But I digress. Here we are. And uh, we're really hoping that it hits. Because if it does, we're doing a little dancey dance. You know what I'm saying? Uh, look, Brandon Moreno here on the screen for those of you watching the visual representation. Some of this. Hey, 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 hey. Um, fuck, if that hits, uh, I'll, I'll buy Nano a fucking bottle of whiskey. You know what I'm saying? Get us go. head up in this mother. Uh, so, that being said, um, super happy about our picks here. I think we both have really, really solid ops to win. Um, and again, guys, I, I, I truly feel like when we're looking at the main event here, Islam Makachev is someone who goes out there and finishes fights just as much as Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, Authentic Z, welcome to the chat, my guy. If you haven't subscribed to this guy on Twitch, make sure you do. He's fucking hilarious, honestly. Uh, has me rolling MSP my client calls during the workday, guys. Authentic Z on Twitch. Uh, and Mad Max Meridian in the chat. Whiteboard went 6-0 and last week. Petrosky hurt my personal role. I cried. 
I'm still crying. Son, we're all still crying. Okay. We all we all took that down on the chin. Didn't didn't feel good. Okay. Uh it felt like like 22 is. Um wasn't good. It just wasn't good. Uh topic topic of discussion tonight, Authentic Z, was UFC 294, my guy. We have actually uh gone through the entirety of the card at this point. And I mean, realistically, we've already we've already placed our bets. But at the same time, there are a lot of upcoming fight cards in the in the coming months here, guys. Um, I know I am super stoked on it. Trying to actually map out a time when Nano can get his ass over here for a Saturday card. And I want to ask the chat how you would feel about this. If and when we get Nano out here for a weekend, how do you feel about a live fight companion on a Saturday? Just a longhand live stream, us doing shots, shooting the shit, and uh, breaking down the fights as we see them happening on the on the big screen. Let us know in the chat below what you think of that. Uh, if you're listening tomorrow or the next day or whenever on the uh, you know on the Spotify on the Apple, either way, we appreciate you and let us know in those uh, comments as well. So authentic Z, we already got a 10 out of 10 in my book. Let's get it. Um, love it. Mad Max Meridian said, I used to do them a lot, still do occasionally. My one warning is careful in the title. People get real salty thinking you'll be able to watch it on your stream. Mad Max Meridian, I say to that, thank you. I appreciate the heads up. And also, possibly love to have you in that uh, that stream. Maybe we'll have you be the call-in guest for that one, and you'll be the second screen where Jive Turkey's face is. Um, Lord knows you'll probably do a better job breaking down the grappling exchanges than we will. Uh, that being said, guys, this main event is one that promises to deliver. What's crazy is the main and co-main are like opposites, right? Like the, the red corner in Islam Makachev is minus 340. Coming again against plus 270 in Australia's very own Alexander Volkanovsky. Meanwhile, in the co-main event, Kamaru Usman plus 285. Coming in against minus 360 comes out Shamayev uh, in the blue corner. So I think it'd be very, very fun, uh, A, to have Mad Max Meridian on the live stream, B, to get Nano's fucking ass out here with your bitch ass, dude. Um, <laughs> and C, um, you know what I'm saying? I think it'd be even better if this fucking parlay hit, guys. Um, now, again, the parlay is not the one that I'm super duper uber uber confident and it's kind of a bizarro parlay if you will right like it's uh it's something I'm worried about if I'm being honest with you but I put very very low stakes in it and if it hits it's going to make me feel very very rich for a day or two um meanwhile the three singles feeling pretty confident on and that's not it guys authentic z don't leave the chat just yet we're not quite done uh we still have just one more quick segment to go over I didn't prep Nano for this, but we are going to do just a quick sit him or start him. Oh, let's there go. Is. Let's go, baby. Let's go. So, um, I mean, I feel like we kind of got to, we got to. Boom, boom. 
We don't own this music. Don't sue us. All right, we're going to stop it before they do. Uh, <laughs> that being said, <laughs> Nano. <laughs> Boy, uh, we got a we got a crazy week in fantasy. Um, we do, man. We do a lot Nano of bye weeks. Actually, there's there's six teams with bye weeks. But go ahead, brother. Nano actually beat my ass in uh, the last week of fantasy football, and we had a, a bit of a side bet on it. So uh, I will Venmo you the money that I owe you, and um, instead of just sending in the group chat the push-ups that i owe uh you know what i'll, I'll probably just go ahead and upload that as a short to the youtube channel and call nice. out that you whooped my ass in uh this last week of fantasy football so well that it was one of said, my two wins of the year so i appreciate that i appreciate your graciousness on that one <laughs> you know what i'm saying baby um the fiance's sister handed me a dub in the other league this last week so i literally texted her and told her i appreciate the hand me out uh thanks appreciate it needed that uh there you go Moving forward, go. now, my guy, you're um, you're looking pretty good here. I I feel like um, you know, you're, you're making a bit of a comeback here. Twenty four Garrett Magic, as they yeah. call you in the league. So, big Bruno Mars said, man. Um, who is your kind of top sit 'em stardoms for the week? We'll go ahead and start with quarterback here. Ooh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, man. Like I mentioned in the beginning of this, uh, there are six teams with bye weeks. So some of y'all may not have that luxury to uh, have maybe a pick or choose sort of scenario. You might be forced to start somebody. Uh, but someone that I am going to play, and it's a bit reluctantly, only because I have really not a lot of choices in this league specifically. But I am going to go with my boy Derek Carr on Thursday night. You know, you're uh, talking to my fellow Saints fan over here. Um, but I just think, and primetime games can be tricky, uh, but I'm, again, in a position where I need to start them. I would say somebody else that I would recommend would be someone like a Josh Dobbs, if he's available in your league. He's honestly available in most leagues. Um, solid floor, you know, the uh, quarterback for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, but with the Seattle Seahawks here, I think you could see a shootout, uh, and he does have some running upside as well or at least a floor there for the running side um stafford would be someone else i'd recommend if he's available in your league i'm gonna see what his percentage is here on the yahoo app which is where most of my leagues are currently sure 75 percent. so he may not be out there for you to consider um so again if you're searching the waiver wire i would recommend Derek Carr for the upside on a primetime game uh, and then I'd also go Josh Dobbs as a little bit more of a safer option that, um, yeah, gets you a few touchdowns. Maybe even Geno Smith if he's out there. I think that game will be a shootout. So a couple I'm chucking with. Like that. Yeah, um, brother. Uh, yeah, I, I can't disagree. I think uh, rostering Brock Purdy is probably a safe bet here this week against Minnesota. Minnesota has allowed quite a bit of not only runs up the pocket, but they've also been pretty loose when it comes to blocking the actual shots coming out of the back end. Uh, so that being said, I think Brock Purdy is a pretty safe start when it comes to the QB position, uh, as well as, um, I don't know, maybe Jared, Jared Goff, I think, would probably be a safe start as well. I think he's guaranteed at least 20, maybe 25 points in that game, which is safe compared to some of these other QBs that got us like five and six last week. I know I was a victim of one of those in one of my leagues, and uh, it, it wasn't fun, man. Yeah, ne never good to be on that side of things, that's for sure. It's really not. It's 
it's really fucking not. Uh, moving into the next position, guys, we're going to go over wide receiver here. And I'll go ahead and take the lead on this, and I'll have you play piggyback. Um, I, I think of all the players in the entirety of the league, there's a, a few people that really come to mind here. Um, realistically, Stefan Diggs, I think, is a cheat code this season. Uh you know, Stefan Diggs is is an, an automatic start when it comes to wide receiver, but that's more the obvious play, obviously. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving into kind of your, your unspoken heroes, I think the next one that would make a lot of sense um, would probably be... Let's see, Puka Nakua? I think Puka Nakua, even though he's splitting splitting his uh kind of targets with cooper cup coming back i think pukunaku is still a safe bet to play i think he's going to still score at least 15 points up upwards of 25 uh what are your thoughts on wide receivers Ooh, i love those picks brother absolutely i have stefan diggs in a few leagues wish i had him in every league um somebody that i'm starting in one of my competitive leagues here uh it's my boys league we've been in it for 10 years since college uh, I am six out. and zero. It's a twelve teamer, half point PPR, two flexes, two running backs, two receivers, uh, five points for quarterback touchdowns. Uh, but I have Zay Flowers. I think that's a good flex start. You know the vibes. You know the vibes. Thank you, thank you. Enjoy while I can because this doesn't happen often. Uh, but I'm going to start Zay Flowers this week. This is somebody. He's a rookie. Uh, you know who has Lamar Jackson throwing for him. And I don't know if he has a scene. I got to interject. Lamar. I got to interject here real quick. Sorry to cut you off here. Um, what are your thoughts on the ankle injury? For who? Was that Zay Flowers or am I? No, no, no. Sorry, sorry. I'm mixing them up. I'm mixing them up. Completely ignore me. I'm thinking running back. Oh, okay. Carry on. Okay, Carry okay. on. No worries, brother. I was like, oh, I was like, hopefully I didn't miss something. But um, I am starting Zay Flowers, though. I do think uh, with his matchup against Detroit. Detroit should uh, make for a high-scoring game. But since Zay Flowers has, has joined the league, he's had at least four targets a game. Uh, he's had a couple explosive weeks coming off a 14-point game last week. His first touchdown, eight targets. I think we're going to continue to see that production. Somebody I'm fading. And again, this is tough because there are six teams with buys, so you may not have a lot of options. But I am not starting Jordison Addison. He's another rookie on the Vikings against who you mentioned earlier, Brock Purdy and the San Francisco 49ers on Monday night. Kirk Cousins does not play good on primetime games, so I would not recommend that. Um, somebody that I am starting this week that I am excited about, I have not had a lot of chances to start him because they just haven't been good, and he's been hurt. But I'm taking Christian Watson here against Denver. Um, frankly, I think Denver sucks, uh, and I think Christian Watson is really talented. And I think as long as he's not matched up on Patrick Sertan, he should have a uh, chance to uh, make some big plays. Lastly, again, I, I mentioned him last week, but Josh Downs, somebody I, I'm driving with as well. Um, he's a rookie that I, I think has a lot of potential to see a lot of targets on a weekly basis. Um, I'm looking at other receivers real quick here. I'm going through all nine of my leagues as I'm talking. Someone I would roster as well as a Rasheed Rice. He's only... Uh, <clears throat> rostered in 54% of the leagues, uh, but he is a receiver for Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Sleeper pick! Yes, yes. He's had four targets in the last four games. He scored 11 points and nine points. And again, he's got Patrick Mahomes throwing to him. I'll take that. I'll take that. So 
that's it, man. <laughs> yeah, I think Rashi Rice is a really, really solid pick. Um, moving right along, we're going to go into running backs. Obviously, we're going to name the cheat codes first. Um, Travis Etienne Jr. is the elephant in the room, folks. If you got him, awesome. I got him in one of my two leagues. Stoked I did because he's paying dividends. Um, if you didn't get him, though, that's okay. You can be an easy breezy cover girl uh, with Brees Hall. Uh, because I think that he's a very, very solid supplementary running back to a Travis Etienne Jr. if you didn't get him. If you didn't get either of those, uh, but you did somehow weasel your way in like a cowboy and get Derrick Henry, good for you. Those are my top three running backs as of this weekend. Travis Etienne Jr., Brees Hall, and Derrick Henry. Nano, who are the RBs to carry us through? Yeah, brother. A lot. Of, I mean, again, some a lot of injuries at this position. Unfortunately, that, that tends to happen every year. Um, you definitely hit the nail on a few of them. Uh, quickly looking at my options here. I mean, I have Mostert and Swift in most of my leagues, um, and that's been a extremely fire stack. They are playing Monday, uh, Sunday night, so you can expect a big shootout from both of them. Um, but if I had to start somebody. Trying to quickly look here. That, you know, you may not typically start. I would say a Jerome Ford for the uh, Cleveland Browns. They're going up against the Indianapolis Colts. They just announced that Anthony Richardson's out for the rest of the season. So it's Gardner Minshew time. And the Browns have a really good defense. They've only allowed like a thousand yards this season. I think they're going to have a lot of chances to turn the ball over, which means more time on offense, which means more scoring. And they have a good offensive line. So I think Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt, if you need to stream somebody, those are two really good options uh, with a lot of high upside this week specifically. Uh, and then lastly, on that same note, someone like Zach Evans. Um, speaking of injuries, Kevin Williams has been an amazing uh, surprise here in the fantasy world this year. Uh, a young running back who took over Cam Akers' role and has just been absolutely balling out. Uh, but he's hurt and he's going to miss some time. So next man up, Zach Evans, who at one point was a five-star recruit in high school uh, and was really talented in college, but just, again, has been buried on uh, the depth charts of these talented NFL teams. But hey, next man up, finally getting a crack at it. If you need to stream somebody, I like a Zach Evans or a Jordan Mason on Monday night. If you're absolutely desperate, these names are ugly, man. But hey, sometimes you got to get a little nasty with them. And um, if you're chucking and jiving like I am sometimes, man, those are some names I would consider. <laughs> Absolutely love those names. Uh, and and give it up for Nano, guys. Like, he doesn't just choose the top of the top. He chooses people that are possibly actually available in your league, which, in my opinion, is pretty fucking cool. Whoa, that was cool. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so. Nice. Moving into the last position we're going to go over here on the podcast before we call it a night, folks. We got, you know, an end. It's pretty tight. Not a loose end. It's a tight end. It's nice. a little tight end. Uh, so I'll, I'll go ahead and let you take the lead on this one. Yeah, brother. Tight end is a very thin position. If you don't have Travis Kelsey, you're pretty much sitting and hoping for the best. Uh, Mark Andrews is kind of the perennial number two. Uh, Laporta is always a, a high weekly uh, start, but I will say for me, it's somebody that I've been able to pick up in a few leagues and I am going to stream this week specifically, but I'm going to take me some Pat Fryermuth here. Okay. I, I think Kenny Pickett coming off a of bye week. I think they're going to get it together. Fryermuth has been somebody who last year, uh, service to be a solid tight end, 
uh, showed to have a lot of promise in like Dynasty League, somebody that was worth investing into. Uh, just really hasn't had the start this year, and you're seeing people get frustrated. But hey, frankly, the tight end position is just thin, so beggars can't be choosers. I'll take the upside on Pat Fryermuth any day. The Muth, I think, will start getting it together, especially in the red zone. That's what he does best. Uh, if you're not streaming someone like a Pat Fryermuth, give me some Zach Ertz, man. Again, I think that uh, Josh Dobbs and this Arizona team has been one of the biggest surprises this year. I actually got to see them live beat my uh, fiance's team, the uh, Dallas Cowboys. It was fun, but that part was not fun for her. Um, but they just find a way to get things done. He's had uh, two weeks with 11 points, one with nine. He's had a touchdown two weeks ago. Uh, and he's somebody that has the potential to score any week or at a minimum can get four to five targets, eat up 50 to 60 yards, which at a floor is great for a tight end position. So a couple guys might be able to stream this week. I, again, I can't, can't disagree with any of the positions or any of the players that you chose for that position. Obviously, again, um, if we want to talk about someone that's literally able to jump above the competition, um, you know, a la Mario, it's going to be the Taylor Swifty himself, Travis Kelsey here. Um, you know, that was my first round draft pick in both leagues. <laughs> Worth it. So um, he's on the can't trade list for sure. I think Sam Laporte is probably the other name that you said that stood out to me in this breakdown, folks. Um, another one that I think might be available in a lot of leagues is probably Cal Pitts um, or maybe even uh, Johnu Smith, I think, is kind of an yep. underrated one that might have to be a, a late bloomer in the league. Uh, Johnu Smith is someone that's really coming into his own, and he will continue to come into his own in the later weeks of the league. So those are my picks. Um, if I'm being completely honest, Nano's picks are probably better when it comes to football stuff, uh, but I'll fucking fight them when it comes to MMA picks. So, as always, guys, thank you for tuning in to another brilliant and beautiful episode of the MMA Anomaly Show No Filter. As always, as long as you're a fan of fights, we're a fan of you. And uh, the only thing we ask is that you keep on showing when it comes to these podcasts. You keep on going and you keep on growing, guys. And until then, we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the MMA Anomaly Show. No filter. As you may have been able to tell, we dig the MMA, and our passion is to dive deep into the upcoming fights, give you our expert breakdowns, and help you make sense of all the chaos that is the fight game. We hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, make sure to like, rate, and review. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, make sure to find us on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch at MMAnomaly. Be cool, and we'll see you next time.